Welcome to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley, your host. Thanks so much for tuning in. We've got a great guest today, maybe someone that I respect more than anything when it comes to trying to understand economics and not only how it affects our country and our state, but how it affects us as individuals. And I have Patrick Anderson, the owner and CEO of the Anderson Economic Group on with us today. Patrick, I haven't talked to you in a while. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay, Tony. Nice to see you and talk with you at this uh, unusual time. Very unusual time, but I just get the sense for an economist, it's an interesting time. Before we kind of dive into that, let's talk about the media. Our show is about how the media covers different aspects of business and life, if you will. Patrick, if you will, rate the media's coverage on economic stories and the economy, not only here in our state, but with our country. I would say generally, the more elite the news media, often the worse it is, is what I find is if I'm watching a Washington, D.C., New York City big news story, it's often worse than if I listen to someone that's broadcasting or writing about Michigan. And if you're talking about somebody and even more local than that, they almost always have a pretty specific and pretty clear and unambiguous set of facts. But I really find repeatedly that if we're talking about major economic issues in the United States and you're looking at the national news, you're really looking half at a political agenda or a political leaning of who is producing it. And I think that's gotten substantially worse over the last 20 years. I find myself going to the Wall Street Journal and to Fox Business for my economic, for my business news. Where am I going wrong? Where else should I be looking for information? Because as you know, as well as anyone, Patrick, you can't depend on anyone. I hear a lot about the bias in the news media, which we'll talk about, but I've come to learn whether it's right, left, or center, I got to try to absorb it all. Where am I missing? Where else should I be going? No, I think good economic news. Every American has as a birthright the freedom to listen to different points of view. Thank goodness we have that right. So please exercise it. And I'm speaking even to people who maybe are, you know, follow me on LinkedIn or listen to me speak about things, or if I write something, read that. You should also be looking at what other people say. And if you go a week and every single person you've seen on the TV agrees with you, you have got to change the channel. Okay, (laughs) you're just wasting your time. And myself, I get it. Let me say a stimulating cross section is what I look at regularly. Now, if I want to know what's happening, I'll go to right now one or two or three of my reliable sources about just what's happening. But if I'm trying to interpret what's going to go on in the economy, I can't just read, say, the New York Times and hear what they say about the Biden administration or ABC News. If I flip on Fox News and I see something there, I say, I'll listen to that. But if you actually look at something like, you know, some of these shows, unfortunately, CNN, for example, I'm just very hard to, once it gets close to anything related to national policy, there's really been a deterioration in the objectivity. And that's unfortunate. It makes it really hard. And we've got object lessons of that over the last year that I wrote down in anticipation of our call, including about inflation, including about dealing with the pandemic and the economic issues about that, where as we sit here in in April 2022, we can look back and I can recall it wasn't that long ago 
where you just heard a drumbeat of things that were just flat and outright, or just, you know, repeatedly resisting observing the truth. And those are things we got to deal with in our country. From your perspective, how does the media treat Biden versus Trump policy in regards to economics and to the economy? You know, I don't want to get political, but I want to see from an expert, how do they match up? Are they favorable, unfavorable? Do they like one better than the other? I mean, it's common knowledge. Trump was a hated man on many media outlets, but If we take all the noise out of there and just speak about economic policy, what's your take? I mean, Donald Trump was a singular individual and he relished making some people mad. And he said things that I publicly said were irresponsible, which is not common. You know, unfortunately, it's become more common, but it's not common for someone like me to just say the president of the United States is just telling something that isn't true. And I've had to do that multiple times over the past several years and I really don't like it. I had to do it yesterday when someone on, uh, it was a, a guy Gordon on WJR asked me, you know, is there any truth to the President Biden's claim that the inflation we have over the last year was due to Vladimir Putin? That's just not true. And I had to say that. I don't like having to say that. Uh, and unfortunately, Donald Trump said a lot of things that were not true. At the same time, when he did have things that were pretty much working, He didn't get a very respectful audience often in the national news media. Let's talk about Joe Biden. You just mentioned you just had to say some unpleasant things in regards to the truth. His economic policies, all of his policies from day one, have they helped or hurt the U.S. economy? What I can say clearly based on my own knowledge and expertise is it as you said, Tony, about economic policy and about business. Clearly, the effort to the huge additional spending programs, not all of which were passed, is not something that made sense. And you couldn't even get the U.S. Congress, which is now controlled by the Democratic Party, to agree. When you have a Democratic Congress that can't agree on a Democratic president's spending plans, it's a pretty good chance that those were a little overwrought and something that didn't make sense. The infrastructure bill that was passed, which did end up getting bipartisan support, I think there was a lot in that that was good. It was a huge bill. You know, I can't say it was all good, but at least that was a step in a direction that made some sense. When we come back, we're going to talk with Patrick Anderson from the Anderson Economic Group a little bit more about inflation and recession. We'll do that next. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. For something to grow, it takes time. Like the equity in your home. That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit. Because frequent watering of your houseplants may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. I'm Tony Conley. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. We have Patrick Anderson with us, the noted economist from the Anderson Economic Group. Patrick, I guess the first thing I want to ask you in regards to inflation is tell me what causes it. I know that sounds like a basic question, but I think a lot of us 
aren't sure of it? It is a basic question. It's a basic question where the answer has been known for centuries and where national political leaders have tried to hide from people. It actually goes all the way back to Roman times. All right. For here, like if you reach in your pocket and you got some coins there and some of them have those ridges on the edges, you know, (laughs) like nickels don't have them, but quarters do. Why are they there? To stop inflation in the old times, because you actually had Roman leaders that would take the silver coins and shave the outside of them and send them back. Then they'd melt the coins down. So that's why we have ribs on the edge of our coins because of some centuries and centuries ago, forms of inflation. Inflation in general is a phenomenon that's caused by governments that create too much money that chases the same number of goods, so-called more money chasing the same number of goods. In the modern economies such as the United States, you have a monetary policy that's controlled by a central bank. That is, in the United States, fortunately, it is largely independent of the political structure, but not entirely. And if you look back at what's happened in the United States the last several years, we had enormous growth in the money supply and we had enormous federal spending, government spending, way out of any connection to our economy. And especially after the original pandemic recession was over, completely outside the bounds of any immediate need for businesses or employees. And when you literally send not just billions, but trillions of dollars out into the economy, and you have the same number of people working or less, you get inflation. That's how it always has happened. And that's why myself and a handful of other economists have now been saying, we're gonna have inflation for a solid year. It was not a surprise. Not only was the handwriting on the wall, it was spray painted and underlined. We're going to have inflation. And that's how it was caused this times. And that's how it's caused other times in history. What needs to be done to ease inflation? Well, let's start with the things that are obvious. If you're the president of the United States or the Speaker of the House, you can't say, I'm going to spend a trillion dollars and it will cost nothing. So let's just go over that again. If you're the leader of... No, no, that's not what I heard, Patrick. It's not going to cost us anything. (laughs) It's a trillion bucks. Here you go. Here you go. Come on down, right? I mean, literally, I mean, it was said more than once. The President of the United States says, we're going to spend this trillion dollar, multi-trillion dollar, and it will, quote, cost nothing. And then the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, got up and said, you heard the President. It'll cost nothing. Well, I wanted to say, listen, if it costs nothing, why stop at a trillion? Let's go to three trillion. I want to sell my business for one billion. And then um, I've got some artwork here that's probably worth another several million dollars. If it costs nothing, why not? (laughs) When you hear national governments say, I'm going to spend a huge amount of money and it costs nothing. This is an obvious signal to everyone that we're going to have inflation because the way you spend money and hide from people the cost has been inflation for centuries. And unfortunately, that's part of what's happening here. We spent enormous amounts of money for which there was no tax revenue to support, there's no production to support. And now it's being taken, we're paying for it through this hidden tax on everything else that's called inflation. So we need to spend less. What else can we do to ease inflation? Well, the Federal Reserve Board, another thing that they did that I didn't like was for much of 2021, 
they were saying, actually, I think it started earlier in that they started using the term transitory, right? You've heard transitory. If you just look it up, it's probably a thousand times in the news starting in late 2020, then through all through 2021. And they finally abandoned it at the end of last year when they kept saying, we can't keep saying with a straight face that prices going up again isn't inflation. They kept saying it's a transitory thing. I mean, when you invent a euphemism to say it's not cold outside or that building's not on fire or those prices aren't going up and people get cold or watch a house burn down or see prices go up, you lose credibility. And that's what happened with the Fed and with the Biden administration on inflation all last year. As prices went up and went up and went up, our federal government kept saying it's transitory. And even there were some things where it was attributed to be some kind of loosely based conspiracy of free market and right-wing economists. I mean, there was actually some discussion of, it must be people out in the hinterlands making this up. No, it's not. And I just want everybody to know, if you saw prices go up, you are not part of a conspiracy. You're just a consumer observing prices going up. So number one thing Fed can do, fess up to inflation. When we come back, we're going to talk about recession. Boy, I'm just full of great news <laughs> here. But we're going to talk more about uh, the recession with Patrick Anderson from the Anderson Economic Group. I'm Tony Connolly. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Your hibernation is over. The fairways have been cut. The greens have been rolled. Are you ready for some golf? We sure are with 81 holes of spectacular championship golf just waiting for you at Treetops. Book now and for a limited time, enjoy an overnight stay and unlimited golf starting at just $129 per person. Then top off your day with a relaxing massage in our spa, followed by a succulent steak and choice of over 80 craft beers in our sports bar. Call 888-TREETOPS. Visit treetops.com. Treetops, Michigan's most spectacular resort. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm your host, Tony Conley. We're talking with Patrick Anderson from the Anderson Economic Group. Patrick, let's get right to it. Is the United States in a recession? I don't think it's in a recession. I think the recent discussion between uh, you and me, Tony, here has been direct pointed, blunt, and a little depressing over where we are, the federal government and the United States of America. But on this, I have some positive news. So let's finish up on a good note. The United States is not in a recession right now. We're still adding employment. We're still growing. And I'm not sitting here saying we're doom and gloom. We're going to have a recession. We might have a recession. And if we don't get our act together on things like energy policy, we might. But we're not in a recession right now. We're in a situation where we have a serious risk of inflation. In fact, inflation is already here and we have risks of recession. But I'm not declaring that we're in a slowdown yet. And from an economist's point of view, define recession. But typically, recession, the whole thing is that recession is when you lose your job. A depression is when, you know, you and everybody else you know has lost their job. And maybe a mild recession is somebody you know lost a job, but you still have yours. So, that's the folk definition of recession. Economists have a more technical one having to do with real GDP going down for two straight quarters. 
it's normally the rule of thumb, but our GDP is still growing. And that's one of the reasons I don't think we're in a recession. The risk here is, among other things, let's just go through the risks. One, we have energy prices going up. A lot of that due to our own policies. I mean, we have our federal government that said, no, we can't have a pipeline where we can get more oil. We had our federal government say, we're going to make it a lot more expensive for you to drill or to produce oil. We have federal government that says fossil fuels are bad. We need to stop doing them. What do you think happens when you do that? You get less oil, you get less product, and then when you need it, prices go up. Vladimir Putin's actions in Russia are terrible. They have an incredible human cost with the war in Ukraine, far outstripping the pain that American motorists feel when they look at the gas pump. In the last month, you could say some portion of the increase in gas prices as related to the war in Ukraine, but the majority of the increases have nothing to do with Vladimir Putin and everything to do with the United States of America. All right. I'm coming before the expert and the teacher. From my understanding, the consumer price indexes are the statistics for the price of gas, power, hotels, anything that we may consume. Am I correct there? The consumer price index is probably the best known indicator of inflation. It's not the only one, but it's the one that everybody who's a consumer, which last time I checked is 100% of your listeners, Tony, and I think 100% of your expert guests too are all consumers. So we can relate to that very easily. But no matter what inflation indicator you look at, prices are going up. One of the things I'll point out, I just put this on a LinkedIn post yesterday, which as some of your listeners, they want to follow me on LinkedIn. You can see me post periodically on this kind of stuff. But it's not just gas that's up. It's not just new car or used cars. Electricity's up 11%. So I see some people saying, ah, I don't care about the price of gas. I drive an electric car. Guess what, buddy? Price of electricity's gone up already, and it's going to go up too. And so is the cost of building roads. And so is the cost of everything. The price of cereals up, price of eggs, price of meat, and price of services are going up. So it's pretty broad-based inflation, and like there is every time you have inflation, some commodities are going up more than others. Over the past several months, fuel, used cars, new cars have been going up quite a bit. Mortgage interest rates are going up now. And I wouldn't be surprised if gas prices actually drop over the next six months. And that will actually be a reduction in that component of the consumer price index. But we now have broad-based inflation, unfortunately. And judging by the CPI, we're at the highest inflation in 40 years. You mentioned uh, the cost of gas and policy. I think it's quite obvious that we have folks in power now who are trying to get us to the Green New Deal sooner than later. Not saying that's right or wrong. Well, I will say is from everything I've read, Pat, who tried to do it too quickly. And not only was the economy not ready for it, but the planet really wasn't ready for it. What do you think? Well, I may be one of the few people that actually read the Green New Deal resolution. There actually was a resolution in Congress called the Green New Deal. And I would say it was more than the planet wasn't ready for it. I mean, the, the science of logic wasn't ready for it. I mean, it was almost like chuckling because you couldn't read it without chuckling. But there was a section in there. How are we going to pay for all this? And they said, what do you mean, how are we going to pay for it? We're going to pay for how we always do. We're just going to go where the money is. We're going to make it. I mean, they literally said, let's just print money or get it from the banks. Why not? Again, it's if it costs nothing, let's just spend it. If there's any listeners out there that are wondering, 
go read it yourself. There's actually a resolution that was in Congress. Green New Deal resolution is a very long one. And look at the section on how we're going to pay for this. Mm. And if you think that we can just print the money to spend it, then sounds like a good idea. But don't forget, I'm ready to sell all the artwork in my <laughs> for a million. Let me say two million. Two million. Now, I know you don't like to get political, but you're getting in that Hunter Biden range when it comes to selling artwork. So you got to watch <laughs> out there. Right. I'm not actually selling it. No one has ever offered. And you can't even see it here. So, all right. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, final question for you, Patrick. How can we in the media do a better job at covering the economy and covering economic news and in better informing consumers? Tony, I listened to you and I've been on your show before. I think you make a good, strong effort at explaining what's going on. I and mean, one of the things you do is, I mean, just I tell people, even journalists, don't listen to some talking head out of uh, a university or a government agency on a topic about which they don't apparently have any knowledge other than just what the university or the government supervises. When you talk to a real live businesswoman or businessman that works in an industry, their likelihood of telling you something straightforward is much, much higher than talking to someone who works in a nonprofit in a faraway state and uh, is primarily supported by taxpayer money or by some, you know, philanthropic and possibly self-interested supporter. So, you, know, you want to know what's going on with energy prices. If you talk to the local gas station owner, you'll probably get a straight answer. And if you talk to the average person you run into on Capitol Hill, you might not get a straight answer. So that's part of what I suggest to journalists. We've been talking with Patrick Anderson, the noted economist, the president and CEO of the Anderson Economic Group. Follow him on LinkedIn. It's a must if you want to learn more about our economy. Patrick, I appreciate you so much, sir. Thank you. Tony, great to join you today. All right. Talk with you soon. This has been Media Business. I'm Tony Conley on the Michigan Business Network.